0: Hello, and welcome to the Dot to Dot podcast, joining the dots on what makes you you. With me, Fiona Murden, psychologist and author, and every other week, my co host, sports psychologist Lou Jones. So, this week, I am thrilled to be joined by not only my lovely co host Lou Jones, yeah, the the wonderful Sarah Gorman, um, who we've had on as a a guest before but talking more about your life Sarah and today we're going to talk about the psychology of exercise so I am going to let these two wonderful ladies discuss the differences and similarities between the type of people that they work with what are your thoughts on exercise psychology as opposed to sports psychology
1: well um massive question (laughs) <laughs> oh you ask me massive questions um, I think what what I would say is just off chat, I know we, we were having a brief chat beforehand but it was quite interesting because you talk about exercise psychology being about kind of the motivation and the will to engage in exercise to begin with and what is it that actually gets people out of bed and doing any form of exercise whether it be washing the car whether it be going for a walk a run, playing recreational hockey, just having a laugh, whatever it is, going down the beach, playing frisbee. Um, What is it that gets people doing that versus what is it that motivates people to improve, be better, want to be on the world stage, want to win, want to compete, always want to kind of challenge themselves to be the best that they can be and if that's better than the rest of the world could they win a olympic gold medal for instance or whether if it's in a pro game with with golf can they you know go out and win a major can they go out and win a grand slam in tennis can they compete in in, in a, a world cup in rugby that type of thing what's the difference and I think there's there's probably more similarities than you would have thought
2: well I, I just just listening to that you starting that that sentence that conversation it, it, yet there there's a huge um the, there's a huge gap between where someone is in, in terms of an athlete already a pro and someone day-to-day yes there is a huge gap between that but actually the gap is minute between that the, the athlete going right come on I've got I've got to get this done today I've got to get this done today to that person going I've got to walk the dog today it's the same click yeah. it's the same I've got to and it either happens or it doesn't I think and, but I think the, and I think the the motivate or oh, that thought is the same thought process now let's is, is the motivation different not sure that's where that's what i'm interested in is the motivation different for example from i was writing something about this yesterday i was writing a little bit of starting a blog um fiona inspired me so i decided to do it um and one of the things i talked about was this um you know barriers to exercise we all have the barriers to exercise right we all put the, those in there and i was saying i i'm would I would be that person I am the person who puts barriers in but it's my job so my motivation is that this is my job and I have to do it and if it wasn't my job I'm sure I know I would be having to really convince myself and work hard to make sure that I was doing the exercise I wanted or needed to do definitely
0: and uh, I mean that I think is fascinating from what both of you said what I find interesting there is is the the scale of, of motivation, for example. So my husband goes running every day without fail. Or if he's not running, he will go for a long bike ride, like a really long bike ride, or he'll do both. And, you know, he'll say to me, well, you know, some days I get out of bed and I don't feel like it. And I think uh, there are days when I don't really feel like it, but I get on with it because I've decided that's what I'm going to do. And there are days where I feel like I cannot do it. I nothing is going to persuade me. I just feel like it is not happening today. And it's it's kind of like I'd say that would be a one out of 10 in terms of motivation. And so while he says, oh, there are days when I don't really feel like it, I still think he's probably at a six out of ten rather than a one out of ten, if that makes sense. I don't, I, I mean, I don't know from from both your experience what what your thoughts are on that.
1: I mean, my thoughts that come into mind, I mean, I completely agree with Sarah in terms of the thought process being very similar about what is it that gets people out of bed doing whatever they're going to do. I think there are definitely differences in terms of like purpose, but having a purpose to what you're doing is crucial, whether that pers- purpose is um, getting out and walking your dog at six in the morning because you love it when it's dark and it's quiet and no one else is around and it's really peaceful before you start your working day or whether the purpose is I'm going to do it at lunchtime because actually um that's the only time I've got free and I'm going to get washed my car there I want to do something that's more productive than just going for a run so if I wash the car and I've got exercise and I've got a clean car it's a winner or the purpose is um I want to, I, I want to win an Olympic medal or I want to push myself in this training session for three hours on the bike. I'm going to see how far I can go. I think it's having a purpose with the, with, with the exercise or sport. And I th- so that's similar, but the purposes will be different. And then it's confidence to actually confidence in your capabilities to achieve what you want to achieve and how you define success. And I know, I don't know about you, Sarah, but I think at the, in the sporting world, there's lots of people that go, oh, you've run a marathon or you've run an ultra. And actually that's too overwhelming for a lot of people. Mm. And actually success is walking your dog twice a day. And that, that's okay. Yeah. Because that's for health reasons and for what well, physically and psychological health reasons. That's fine. If that's the kind of exercise you wanna do, great, go for it. Sometimes <laughs> we, we put on a pedal, ultra marathons that's amazing and actually there's only I don't want to do I don't want to do an ultra marathon I think it's great for the people that want to do it I think it's also crazy <laughs> um, you know, but I don't you know if they want to do it great have a ball but that's not that's not why why I do exercise that's not my purpose and that's not one and that's okay it's okay to have your own purpose and your own motivation and whatever you define as success of whatever you do
2: but I think this, and yeah, and this is the point that I think we need to, to talk about because my issue is I completely agree with you and it is about purpose and it is about what, what you perceive as your goals, your wins and everything else. But social media has come and played this immense part and I think hindrance to us and it means that we judge everything. So I see people on social media I I mean, I am flooded, bombarded, drowning in posts. I've done a workout today, I've done a second workout, I've done three workouts today, I'm running an ultramarathon, I'm doing this, look at my workout, look at this, look at this, look at this. And I feel overwhelmed by it. I feel like, yeah. oh my, oh my God, have I done enough? Have I done enough? Am I good enough? Do I look good enough? Oh my God, you know, oh, oh. and I'm doing it every day. So I can't imagine the people who haven't done it every day, and are seeing this and are wanting to, and are trying to get up at six o'clock to walk the dog with the view that maybe they'll do a little bit of exercise afterwards as well. But then they turn their phone on, they get all of this immediate, uh, you know, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And it must for me just go, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't live up to that. And that worries me. That worries me that seeing it all, some people it will inspire, some people, their mindset will be, right, I'm going to do that too. Right, I've been inspired, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it. But some people, it will just make them feel like, I can't achieve that, I can't compete with that, and almost push that barrier even further up to them and just go, I can't, I'm not doing it, I can't do it. Do you know what I mean? And, I, and that really worries me. And so, that what, you know, the part that social media plays really bothers me. And I think that that has got a massive effect on on barriers now.
1: So you're saying that they're they're looking at all this stuff, and they're not they're not just judging the people that are putting up. They're also then judging themselves and comparing themselves, and that's yeah. the rule, that's the barrier. And then you're never going to live up to some of their expectations because actually all of those things are taken out of context. Yes, and people are. Saying, I've done one workout. I've done my second. I've done my third. That's great, but I don't have time to do three workouts in a day. No. no. Um, you know, and the other morning, like I was pleased because I was, well, I, I should post and got like this. I uh, got up, made the kids, both kids, a pat lunch, made a chili con carne, had breakfast all before, you know, eight o'clock. I was winning. I was winning. But no one posts those things, but I definitely don't have time to do three workouts a day. But it's all taken out of context. And I think that's where then you're judging yourself on something that's not even realistic that doesn't wouldn't even fit into your life so you're you're always going to fail you're never going to come closer to that really important to just to look at what do you want individually what's okay for you in your for your lives for your context yes
2: exactly that and i this is what i feel i need and i'm trying to tell the people that i can reach and the people that i work with um you know st- stop looking at other people to gain context of what you ought to be doing you know be th- that, how many workouts you're doing how many workouts a week you're doing i mean i actually don't think that people should be doing three workouts a week if you are a normal person
1: you don't think it, it's not right for people to have three workouts a day
2: no i don't i don't and i think you know this kind of i've done three it, it is not a not helpful but not healthy um and i think and i what i was then saying is you know if you are time poor 15 minutes in a morning doing a great hit workout if you're technically good and you get it done you've done in 15 minutes you know you really can work out in a short amount of time um and not fit and not feel that you've got to compete against these other people it's where you are at where are you at where is your body at
0: well I mean I think we were talking about context and I think and not competing with with unrealistic um situations demands environments people bodies yeah, and and sort of thinking about setting your own context, but actually being able to maintain that um, and not being pulled into social media, which we do subconsciously because we subconsciously compare ourselves to other people. So whilst we make a decision, I'm not going to compare myself to someone that works out three times a day because I don't want to. You know, if we're still looking at their feed, we're
1: still going to compare ourselves. We know that one of the benefits of exercise is from a psychological point of view. After you do it, you feel better about it. You've got all the pheromones and all these good hormones going around in your head and you're like, woo, bring on the day, bring on the week, I can cope with life. That's great. However, if you're doing that and you're still judging yourself against other people or because you've done that workout and you need to do another two that day because you feel that's what you should do, you're not going to get those benefits. Exactly absolutely yeah it's counteractive so it really is working about what do you want it's got to come to you and just cutting down on those social media things I mean I can see it I don't know you know we've all got children you see it with their with their social media accounts so they're looking at it as well of what you know what their expectations of 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 kind of what they should be and how much exercise or what they should look like and it's there and I'm just like no it's it's. what do you want to do?
2: it's interesting I have been um quite well I don't think it's that I've been brilliant I'm I've been a brilliant parent in this I think I've been quite lucky earlier early on in my children's life I was quite um I was saying how anti I was about social media and all that sort of stuff and and um but but quite carefully saying it and they've all gone down the road of I don't want it I don't need it and actually my kids are not on any social media they don't have Instagram they don't do I think they watch a bit of TikTok but they don't post on them and all this sort of stuff and actually not not none of them I mean the seven year old obviously she's not but i might have got 15 year old and 13 year old they don't talk about bodies they don't talk about what they ought to be doing in sport and I think it's because they're not looking at it they tell me off but if I'll go, they turn me off because I'll say something like, oh, I feel I feel big today. And they go, "Mum, stop it. Don't talk about your body like that. And I'm like, you are right. Absolutely. You are right. And I and I do think I and whereas I've seen other friends of theirs who it is about that. It is about what you know, what, what should I look like? What should I be doing? I think it's got a massive influence. We're, you know we're just talking about it aren't we they're just starting to you know be Facebook are having to come up against that thank god they are being they're being asked those questions so let's just hope that that I'm hoping that pushes further because I think it's got a massive influence on on our active on our active and fitness lifestyle
0: well it has such a reach and it, it infuses into people's lives um, it becomes something that people do while they're even having a conversation with someone in real life, is scrolling through social media. And um, but it, the thing that annoys me, the taking us off exercise uh, briefly for a moment, is not that the responsibility should not be down to parents, and the responsibility should not be down to individuals it should be down to the social media companies and we we know that they don't take responsibility for that and I've been working with a startup as an advisor and I said look we need to make sure we put compliance and all these things in place and one person (laughs) on that startup not to badmouth the startup which is great not this isn't my own one by the way this is a different one said um but we don't have to so why are we? And so it's, like, it's not about whether we have to or not. It's not about a commercial gain here. It's about a responsibility. Um, anyway, that's I taking...
1: Agree. I do agree with that. I do also think that as a parent in this day and age, we have a responsibility to our children to learn how to use social media so it's a benefit rather than a hindrance or, or, or has a negative impact. I, and that's hard for us because we never grew up with it ourselves and we're all still learning how it is used and how it goes so but i do think we have a a responsibility to be educated in that i'm still learning god i don't know everything about social media at all but i i feel a responsibility to my kids to actually learn how to, to use it appropriately this is a whole nother conversation I it do is. have a question for Sarah to take us back into exercise yeah let's
0: do that. Um,
1: is is so, so Sarah what kind of things do you use to support the people you work with in being uh um, helping their thought patterns to go yes I want to get into exercise
2: um so Uh, On the platform that I have, um, I've got a a big range of things. Um, So I've got things called my Begin Blend, uh, Begin Strong. Um, And it's saying, you know, dip your toe, try this, um, have a look at these technique um, videos first in your own time. Um, Let's get your let's get you feeling that you can do this, that you can that you can achieve a great plank, a great squat, you know, this, that and the other, so that then when they come into that class environment, they've got that kind of go, oh yeah, I can do that, I've got that, I've got, yeah, all right, I've got that, and that gives them that sense of, oh, and I also say in that class, I'm like, look, this is a 45-minute class, if at halfway through, you need to stop and just take a minute, take a minute, join back in. Watch it. Enjoy the fact that you're, you know, that you can see me getting redder and redder in the face, you know, and then the next time come back to it. Um, so I talk a lot about that and I talk about enjoying the workout. You're there. That's you, you've turned the screen on, you've got your gear on, you know, it's not nice having to throw lycra on is it or or squeeze yourself into lycra you know every every day (laughs) but you've you've done that so you've already you've already achieved something you've turned on the screen you're in your lycra enjoy it and and you know that endorphin rush from any workout that you do is worth its weight in gold because that is it that is what it is all about I think I don't do bikini body I don't do this will make you thin this will do this that and the other um I talk about this will give you a sense of strength in your body and your mind and that will carry on through in your life
1: do you get them to um think about what it's going to feel like after they've
2: yeah, we talk, I talk about that. And then I talk about, you know, how, you know, the rest of your day, that kind of empowered feeling and that fizz in the muscles, that amazing feeling in your muscles where you feel like you've done this work, but it's just, it feels great. You know, if you, it makes you feel good and it makes you buzz. Um, and people are often saying to me how do you because I do do a lot and you know because it is my work um not not a showing off way that I do a lot I do do a lot and people go how can you do so much and still be energized and upbeat and I'm it's because of the exercise it's because of the fitness I I do feel I've got that kind of Uh, energized feeling my muscles feel that sort of ready to go ready to move feeling and 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 when you can be consistent in that it becomes part of your life and it is a little bit it, it can be addictive um it can just be a real pleasure in your in your life and knowing that you've got that feeling um and sometimes you know i i Love, I love a break. I don't take that many of them, but sometimes I, I kind of worry about the break because I know that I'll have a bit of a, a downward turn, that I'll have that break. And then I kind of go, oh, I got, <laughs> I've got to get back up onto that hill. I've got to get back over that little barrier to get back to where I was feeling. Do you know what I mean? So I, and yeah. I do talk about that to
1: people. It is, yeah, when you're talking, it's very similar to working with elite athletes when we talk about, especially enjoyment. I'm constantly talking to athletes, going, well, you know, what what do you enjoy about it? Because sometimes they can be so outcome focused. It's all about the win. It's all about the medal. And actually, why did you do this sport in the first place? Why did you get in triathlon? Why did you get into snowboarding? Why did you get into golf? You know, the feel of the swing, being outside for a couple of hours, looking at the trees and the birds maybe swimming the feel of you know just being speedy in the water so getting back to those things and really focusing on what they enjoy so that actually you know when they go through the pain of some of their training it's okay because they're actually focused on the enjoyment or actually again like you're saying when they finished that training session how great it feels to so have just done that one that's another one done and get closer to the, to the performance you want to achieve so that's really similar
2: you know, that's the thing. If they're going, oh, I've got to do this workout to be thin. I mean, that's crazy because then they measure themselves or weigh themselves at the end of the workout and they're going to be heavier because their muscles are pumped up with they drunk more water. So that's why they shouldn't talk about that. Just at that, in that moment, what are you enjoying? And I throw dance moves into my workouts. So even if it's a strength workout and they've got their weights, They'll do like they'll have done so many reps, and then I'm like, right, weights down, and we'll do a little dance. We'll have you know an actual, you know, that's part of it, and that moment of just kind of going, oh yeah, oh I can do that dance a bit. All right, okay, I'm good. Okay, I'm good. Good to go. Right, let's get back on it. And it's just taking those moments and enjoying them.
0: One one thing I would say, as being a recipient of your workouts, Sarah, hmm. is is that you do tune in more to. And I've had personal trainers before, and I've sort of dreaded the session or I've been like, you know, I've had to almost double motivate myself to go and do it because I know what I'm about to face, but I enjoy doing it when I have sessions with you. But I think that's partly your, breadth of experience and the way you look at things, but also your read of people, because I think the similarity you're describing with what Lou's describing, wouldn't necessarily be there with every personal trainer because they will be outcome focused and they will be talking about the bikini body. And I think you really care about the people you're engaging with and that makes a massive difference.
2: I do, yeah, I really do. And even in a group environment, and even in a group environment online, So every single time I do one of my classes online, I, in the chat before the class, I ask a really couple of simple questions. How is everyone? Good morning, how are you all today? And get some little responses. Everyone feeling this? Just little little clues and you get a sense because I've got an idea of where the class is gonna go. And then if I get a lot of people going, I didn't sleep last night. I really need to do this. I didn't sleep, I feel drained. I feel this, I feel that. you kind of go, okay. And it's, I'll do the same workout. But my approach to the workout will be different. The way I build up to that workout will be different. And about how you bring them in, about how you get them to be to, to get them to do what you want them to do. And I think you can do that online. And I think you can do that in person even easier, but you can do it online. I think you can create that sense of you, We're all in this together. Um, and if you're feeling this, let's build you up. And I think that's 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 key that's key as well and just to go down the theoretical route which lou
0: loves me doing um <laughs> <laughs> not um well, I don't know do you yeah, okay you do you do okay so uh, you know i was looking up so that i could catch up with you guys who are expert in this area um self determination theory of exercise psychology beforehand and how with that we we're basically fulfilling three basic psychological needs as the need for comp competence that need to feel like like you've both talked about you can do it the need for autonomy so i am choosing to do it which is where i probably have a problem with some personal trainers because you both know i'm quite rebellious and it has to come from me but everyone has that need for a sense of autonomy is i'm choosing to do this i'm not being made to do this but then there's also the relatedness. So in terms of theoretical speak, that's the feeling connected or feeling like you belong. And that's so important because to go to a class, particularly online, it's very hard, but to go to a class and feel like I don't really belong and I shouldn't be here and it feels
1: uncomfortable. Of course, it's going to stop you wanting to do it. I think, I mean, I agree with that. I think sometimes people go, well, I have to do this isn't a choice. It's like, "No, no, it is a choice. And I think sometimes they put the barriers up so they don't have to take responsibility. Yes. So I, I think it's always worth as an individual to really focus on uh, why am I doing this? Do I have to, uh, do I have to do it? I've got a choice. And that's one of the things that makes us human is the ability to choose things and just make good decisions that suit us and, and in line with our own values as a person. And that's a bit that Sarah is obviously very good at is she's not just looking at clients. She's looking at the person first and then the client and that's very similar to how I work you know I've got person first athlete second Mm. so if you can connect with the person and understand the person you're going to understand a bit more about their context what's going on for them and then you can approach whatever scenario with them in the best way that's going to help them because you know about that and that's a that's a skill that helps everybody if you're working in any business to do with people is actually being being interested in the person if the person understands that you care about them they're going to invest in you as well and that's then you get a good working relationship going on and do you know how many people get that wrong oh my god so many but not just
0: in sport and exercise i was i was coaching someone earlier this week and saying to them look i know you're mission driven and you're you really want to get things right but when you have a conversation with anyone it first has to be about connecting with that individual rather than the task of let's get this done Um, and it's it sounds so minor and so simple but it's something that we really easily forget particularly in a work environment
1: and 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 online now like Sarah said you can do it online but I think people have really struggled with that and have lost that kind of ad hoc connection that they used to have in the corridors or in the Mm -hmm. toilets at work or in the office that's gone and people haven't then reconnected or worked out how to keep those connections going because they haven't seen how, or haven't kind of been aware of actually how valuable that connection was pre-going online and into lockdown.
2: I completely agree. I think it's, you know, I think there is a, um, it's a skill. I don't know if, one of the things I'm interested in, interested in learning about is whether this is a teachable skill because to read a person, to be able to actually, so I used to be an actor. Um, and a performer before I was doing fitness or alongside doing fitness. And I always, you know, one of the main things about acting is um, that that I remember being taught and that moment of going, oh God, yeah. In order to act well, you have to listen to the person that you are acting against, right? So they say a line. If you actually listen to that person, you respond. You've learned to line, right? you respond because you've learned you've listened not because you've learned the response okay and therefore you respond in a way that is absolutely authentic and truthful yeah. that is the case, and you and look at them you see them and you hear them and you respond to them and i think that is the key in every, in, in in a work in working with other people Yes, you've got a screen in front of you, or the person is in front of you, but do you actually see them? Are you reading them? Are you listening to them? And I think if you can learn, or if I, you know, because I want to teach people to train, but I don't just want to teach them my method. Anyone can learn a method, anyone can learn to teach a move or to teach a section of moods. It's learning. How to invest in a person? How to read a person? How to listen to them? How to see them? And then how to get them to do the best that they can do to get what you want to get out of them? And I think that's really interesting. And I'd love to because I—that's what I inevitably or eventually want to do—is train trainers, is train instructors, but that in that way. I mean, from that perspective, I'm I'm
0: super hyper interested in it from the role modeling. Um, using role modeling in the context that I do, which is we we learn from other people rather mm. than role modeling in the putting on a pedestal perspective. But we learn empathy through tuning into other people, and we develop empathy throughout life. Um, but we can also shut that down because of task. Um, yeah, there's loads of evidence to, to say that, and so those things are human, they're natural but we have huge number of barriers in the way because of life to stop us from developing those things. And there are, there's a lot of evidence that empathic skills are declining in the population. Mm. So any, and I've got lots of different mechanisms I can share with you, Sarah, and I'm sure Lou has too, but um, for, for just tuning into these things that make us human and that add back what we in the natural environment our ancestors would have been learning and just adapting to constantly
1: i mean my my thoughts on that i have a belief that everything and anything's teachable mm. but it depends on who you're teaching and what their their n- nature nurture is so so for example um there there'll be on a continuum some people who are highly talented to kick a ball right some people who could try 10 times and not be able to kick a ball Mm -hmm. because that's just how they're made and I think this this kind of suits every scenario and every skill you've just got to find out where on that continuum is the starting point and therefore how much of a push down or like teaching they've got I think there's also something about the will to learn as well I mean that's massive
0: yeah yeah and again that's that's
1: on the continuum too right how open you are to that learning how open you are
2: yeah no absolutely
0: and how much you know that you don't know things but I think that openness to learning is critical and I've I've been in the past I've been partnered with someone I have to coach they have to be coached by me and it just doesn't work. You can you can start unpacking it and get to a better place, but with any, particularly with skills that involve emotional intelligence, in effect, you have to want to develop them. But mm. I've also seen amazing results where people have realized, you know, what I'm. I've got a first from Cambridge. I've, I you know, I've got a Harvard um, MBA, but. Yeah, and I'm a great leader, but I lack the people skills, so I'm never going to go any further. And have put in time and effort, it doesn't happen overnight, but you can develop those skills if you want to.
1: I guess that's uh, I mean, just thinking about kind of Sarah's business in the, in yeah. the, in the exercise realm and your, your comment about the people that you have to coach. So, I mean, I have similar like I, I I'm a private consultant, but I also work as in an employed part as well, and in my I know that I, I actually make more of an impact in my private consultancy because they come to me because they want to be better and they, they're happy to pay for that. Whereas in my sport Wales employed work, like Fee, I have athletes that just get sent to me because they, they need to speak to the sports psychologist, and, and that's the last thing they want to do. It's being said. I'm yeah, not going to do anything.
0: I so, won't take them on anymore as clients. That's, but
1: that's, that's what <laughs> it, you know. It's that. It's that. Will. It's but it's it's. It's also then the environment around them as well. How do you set the environment to the point where they are OK? They go, actually, I think I need to talk to Fee or I need to talk to Lou or actually I really need Sarah's support in this. So it's it's, it's creating environments around people so that they're learning kind of their strengths and weaknesses and where they're okay, and then being able to ask for help.
0: And that comes to one point I, I I thought about, Lou, I totally agree with you. But I'm thinking with one thing I've observed with Sarah is as uh, what are you smiling like that for what are you up to some, I, was some, other, some...
1: I, d- I was just loving the validation that you agreed with me while you're going to go off to on another point I was just...
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so so I should have dwelt on your point a bit longer oh, no
1: you didn't but <laughs> I, I was haven't. having that because you were <laughs> <I> going <laughs> off and then you thought well, I haven't validated Lou's point, so you did and then you carried on that's what I was I was grinning about um, and Sarah yeah, saw it as well
2: <laughs> low,
0: low levels of emotional <laughs> intelligence there <laughs> Thrown in at the wrong point because uh, <laughs> actually, do you know what it? Do you know what it shows that? Um, who is it? Uh, Tanya Tanya Singer, I think, it is a, a neuroscientist, has shown that when we get focused on task, our levels of empathy just immediately decrease. So even if you're someone who's empathic, your empathy levels are going to decrease. So there's a there's a message there that even if you're empathic, you have to have mechanisms in place to remind yourself to come back to that when you're
1: focused on task.
0: I was focused on task and I had something I wanted to say.
1: And I know it's going to be brilliant.
0: Well, God, no pressure now. Um, no, it was the intrinsic, extrinsic motivation. So we know that extrinsic motivation is someone else getting us to do something. So you can go to personal trainer and they make you do something. What I think you do, Sarah, is you leverage that extrinsic motivation but by understanding the individual you harness the intrinsic motivation which means that person is then motivated to go away and do stuff themselves and it's it's a very small difference but I think it comes to everything we've talked about
2: uh, I, yes I uh, yes I think it's um it, it is about getting it is about getting them to to continue once you're not there to make them be the be the anchor to wanting to do it um and to and to do you know what the other thing is about wanting people always say that they want to please me they want to do to do well for me because not because they think they're going to get not because they're going to get told i not because I'm going to judge them they genuinely genuinely want to um do well because they want me to go it's not even about them getting the adoration or an accolade or or to be you know get a point it's just that they go no I just really want to you know we want to do well for you and I get that one-to-one and and again in class.
0: It's connection I think again it comes to the connection because when you authentically connect with someone then there is that desire to do well I think when there's a need to impress it's different
2: Yeah, yes, absolutely. So it does, it all comes down, it comes down to authenticity as a teacher, right? Or as a a person, it's about being authentic.
1: I would say, talking about intrinsic and extrinsic motivations, you can have both and both work well together if you use them well together. The risk is when you just have extrinsic without intrinsic, and that leads to burnout, dropout, lack Mm. of confidence, lack of motivation, you stopping doing what you do. So um, so with athletes, if they get so outcome focused and driven on the medal, they, that's which is extrinsic, I, I focus a lot on that enjoyment, that intrinsic, all those in, internal reinforcements to actually help them get the most out of what they're doing. And if they do that, they're more likely to get the medal.
2: Because also, if they don't get that medal, then if they didn't get the medal and they only were focused on that, that was it. Why would they, why would they bother again? After that one race, they didn't win it. Why would they just not go, well, I'm done then?
1: Well, exactly. And that's what you do get. You do get. And I think that, and then they, they drop out of sport altogether and that's really sad. And that's not what elite sport is about. You know, the new kind of ethos by UK sport, it's not just winning, it's winning well and, and enjoying that process. And it's, about being able to support better humans through sports. So, and we all know that every athlete has a second career. You can't keep going, um, you will change. And it's about being able to take the skills that you've learned because sports and exercise has so many benefits to everybody in every part of their life. And, and if they can be utilized and uh, brought brought to life, and I think that's great. Um, mm-hmm. As long as things aren't taken to the extreme.
0: Yeah. So um what we tend to do now, Sarah, is Lou gives us a great summary of what we've talked about.
2: <laughs> fabulous.
1: <laughs> oh, fabulous. I know it's bad. but it's that's hard. We have um so that the aim of this podcast is really to talk about exercise psychology and then look at the 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 differences really to sports psychology. But actually I think we've seen that there's more similarities than differences between the two. And then we've talked around so many other different topics within this podcast as well. <laughs> so it's hard to summarize, but it's included social media, parenting responsibilities, and amongst others. I'm sure there's a lot more. Um, but it's it's been a joy, and I hope people have kind of can actually take from this some reflective questions to think about what would exercise or success in in doing some exercise look for them. How how would they feel if they did some, would it feel good? Could it fit into their lives? And actually it, it, it can help them um, feel better, especially in, in, in the kind of this current climate and think about how they can support themselves in that.
0: Absolutely. And and as as always, I have a bit in my book about it.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, wait, which book's that? Oh is that defining you? Yeah that one. It's a great um, book.
2: It is a great book.
0: You said it with more authenticity so um, <laughs> <laughs> but i have in here which is not mine it's adapted from the centers of disease control in the states it's um it's an inventory looking at obstacles to physical activity um, and what what that means to you and how you can overcome them so it's actually not me going hey look what i've come up with but it's look at look what the center of disease control have come up with and on top of that Um, Sarah, you've got things on your website, haven't you? And you've got tips and classes and people can follow you on Instagram for a, a more healthy
2: approach to exercise. They absolutely can, yeah. And I think um, one of the things I would encourage people to do is write down your barriers. You know, really, genuinely get them out on paper and look at them, and then answer them. What you know? Okay, my my first barrier is you know X, I I I I can't wake up at six o'clock in the morning because my children are whatever it is, and then find a way around it, and then and then or find another alternative to it. And I think you know, breaking the barriers, breaking down the obstacles is is your first key. But yes, I, I you know all the stuff that i do on instagram is, is i i really strongly um try and make it realistic about what i eat about what i drink about what i do about when i've failed when i've achieved and um and hopefully yeah that is a an um a, you know it's a, a an honest approach and hopefully people will be able to follow that and see it and enjoy it and not feel judged
0: well, i must say i never feel judged by you whether it's as having a chat as a friend or whether it's having a session with you and I think that's really important because that level of social acceptance plays a massive part in our psyche that we're not always consciously aware of but that drives a lot of our behavior so thank you, ladies. Apologies, Lou, for going off at tangents and then realising. <laughs> I enjoy the tangents. Yeah. <laughs> um, apologies for my lack of empathy in that situation. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you to two wonderful ladies who I've enjoyed sharing time with. And I hope everyone has enjoyed listening.
1: Thanks, v See you,
0: Sarah. Thank you. Bye, Lou. Bye, Fee. to my guests thanks to you for listening if you want to find out more about me and my work go to fiona or my social media handle is also fiona murden if you enjoyed this please do subscribe review and tell your friends it'd be a massive help but for now goodbye and i hope you have a great week